Today I'm in the heart of Somerset at the gorgeous home of designer Alice Templey. Born into a creative bohemian family, Alice has been called the Ralph Lauren of British fashion. Famous for her beautiful ethereal clothing which is worn by women all over the world, she began, in her own words, as a girl from Somerset designing tea dresses. I can't wait to hear all about her life in Seven Charms. As far as like rolling my sleeves up, it definitely has helped. And I probably, you know, quite, quite tough on the outside, not so tough on the inside, but um, I'm, I can kind of, you know, stand up and I, and I keep standing up and I have done that throughout my life. And I think that, that my upbringing definitely um, enabled me to, to do that. I'm Anushka Dukas and welcome back to my life in Seven Charms. For me, there are so few things which can evoke a memory like a tiny, detailed charm. In this new series, I'll be meeting seven extraordinary women and hearing their stories through this very special 18-karat gold biography. It's so lovely to be sitting here in this sunny, sunny kitchen in this gorgeous house in the heart of Somerset. Um, Thank you so much for letting me come and see it all. I'm really excited to see these charms. Thank you. So let's go straight into the first one, which is uh, where you said golden apple. So I've seen this as a a three-dimensional, but actually an apple cut in half, I think. Um, But you might have some views about that. But um, only because I love the details. So I'd seen it as a uh, ruby pavé set red apple with the stalk in yellow gold and a moving leaf. And then inside, yellow gold and the two pips of the apple, two little diamonds. But you may, you may visualise it a different way. Because it's very interesting talking to a designer because your idea is... That's beautiful. Maybe you should have four diamonds instead of two because there's four siblings. <laughs> but now the apple is really symbolic for me because I grew up on an apple farm. Um, obviously, my parents are cider and brandy makers and we grew up knowing nothing else but really the seasons of the apples so harvesting the pressing blossom season and we were out picking apples um often as children um still get roped into it every now and then and anything with an apple obviously i think belongs to me because of how we oh, were cool. brought up <laughs> so i couldn't not have an apple charm um and i think it's beautiful and i love the ruby red my, my favorite apple is actually a spartan that is that really deep 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 red and then when you bite it it's almost white inside um so i love the fact this is a deep red apple but just tell me a bit about your childhood have you got siblings a big family Yep, there's four of us, and we grew up on the cider farm, so we were all born and bred literally there um, with the life of the sort of farm, people coming through it, interesting people coming to work on the farm. Um, what do you, you mean know, interesting people? Kind of. Interesting. I think with different seasons, we had different sort of staff needs. There was always, you know, travellers coming through for apple picking, um, creative types in the areas that were all, you know, involved in some way or the other, whether it was the festival circuit for the my parents' double-decker cider bus going off to Glastonbury or the other festivals. Um, and my parents are very creative generally so there's you know there's lots of potters and weavers and withy makers and um all the kind of creatives of somerset that were very much kind of coming through the farm and uh, we grew up uh, with long matted hair full of hay and straw if we weren't picking apples we were looking after the sheep and in charge of lambing duty i think my father would like me to be a boy and he had three of us <laughs> girls before my brother was born um you're three so, girls. Where do you sit in that? I'm the eldest. Mm-hmm. And then my next one down is Mary. She's She's got a skincare range and um, sells homeware and has four children. And the next one down, Matilda runs the farm and uh, does photography. And then my brother is younger than us all, obviously. Little baby at the end, 14 years younger than me. And he makes films and videos and commercials. God, so all super creative. I think it's because we all grew up on the farm and knew nothing else rather than kind of everything happening there. It kind of made us not go and work for other people. We felt like we had to do stuff ourselves. And as my father likes to say, if if he did nothing else, he just put work ethic into us all. Um, So we all work hard and 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 kind of a, a doers i guess that's the sort of the farm upbringing we can all use drills uh drive tractors buses and quite practical yeah hugely uh, hugely practical <laughs> but did you ever think i mean at what point did you think 
farming wasn't going to be for you or the apple farm wasn't going to be for you? I think he wanted me to do science and I did science for a bit, but then I ran away to London when I was 17 or 18 to go to St. Martin's Art School and um, I knew that I wanted to create. So, you know, we didn't have a TV and we were... We didn't have a TV. didn't have a TV until I was about 11 or 12 and then I discovered film noir... Um, black and white movies and the uh, the glamour of you know Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and all of that incredible costumes and um, I started sort of making things which were a, a bit of escapism into the way that kind of made you feel so cut up a lot of my mum's stuff and made and sold things from an early age age in fact I started making jewellery at the age of 11 and selling my earrings at £1.20 did you? <laughs> I think what the women of? used to feel so sorry for me that they used to come back every Saturday to buy their cider and a pair of my earrings. Uh, they were... Um, I used to go to the bead shop in Covent Garden and get all those silver wires and yeah. rings and doves and beads and make things. I mean, they were awful, but they um, that's what I did, first of all. And then made uh, screen-printed mirror surrounds and then started making fabric and patchwork things and silk painting and quilting and always sort of made and then I figured that if I sold it I could then get some more materials and make a bit more and somehow I ended up in fashion but I'm now just looking forward to getting into the other areas of like home and having that time to not just be fashion for fashion's sake. But it did start like that I mean I guess. Yeah it's always making and I started because I just love making stuff. Yeah, but I mean, it's a it's a it's a pretty good start, and to be referred to by Vogue as the Ralph Lauren, the British Ralph Lauren, I, I think that's pretty good so far. But we'll we can um, we can come on come on to that. Is your mother very? Um, it's, is she very artistic, creative? Yeah, she she uh, is an incredible painter. She does etchings. She does. Uh, I mean, she draws amazingly. She also was a silversmith. She makes. Uh, uh, log cabins, mud houses, pots. She's an amazing potter. Yes, my mum is great. All, all in between trying to run a cider farm. Yeah, I don't know how she just... She hadn't painted for a few years and just did a painting two days ago and it was just like, wow, really beautiful, amazing lights through the orchards and incredible colours. Um, yeah, she seems to sort of put a hand to anything. God, how, how wonderful. That brings me on, actually, to your to your second charm because obviously this wonderful childhood that you had all based at where your second charm is Burrow Hill mm-hmm. I think. so your second charm you said you wanted to be a circle of gold with Burrow Hill and the tree in it um, so I see this absolutely as a gold disc 2d but with the tree and the hill raised up so that when you run your hand over it you can feel that it's not engraved it's it's beautifully crafted and on the back written engraved Burrow Hill Somerset Um, but tell me about Burrow Hill specifically Uh, well Burrow Hill is overlooking our farm and part of the farm and surrounded by orchards and it's it's on two ley lines and if you are up there on a clear day you can see Glastonbury and it goes straight across the Somerset levels so it's Really, really incredible 360 views of Somerset. And my father gave it to my mum as her wedding gift. Um, lots the of hill, specifically? The hill, the, the hill. Right. And uh, I think, you know, during the seasons and when there's egg rolling, we throw eggs down there. When it's snowing, we, we toboggan down there. Um, if it's beautiful, sometimes we'll sleep up there in the open and it's just a place that we all feel like we're very connected to. And amazingly, Tolkien uh, had done lots of drawings for it. So we're convinced really? that, yeah, that, that Burrow Hill is the inspiration of Little Earth, Middle Earth, whatever, for uh, to- uh, Lord of the Rings and Maiden and the Hobbit. Oh. <laughs> so we're basically, it just has lots of amazing things. We also grew up thinking, because my middle name's Guinevere, that King Arthur was buried under there. But it's just such an amazing place. And um, I think anybody that goes up there just feels that it's definitely somewhere really, really magical. Um, And for all of us kids, it's just, it's definitely feel very lucky to be able to call that home. So you're very close to Glastonbury from... from, Half an hour. So did you go on the the cider bus? I think I've been to every Glastonbury since I was two years old. And I was working it out the other day, the amount of weeks that was, because we go for a week each time. This is the best part of a... 
year. Um, yeah, we, we kind of grew up there. In fact, it's really exciting. Um, Mike Levers is actually coming to sing for me for my birthday as a oh. treat. How nice is that? That is so exciting. Uh, he has a band. I'm really, really excited that, yeah, he's, he's doing that. I was really flattered. Um, so there was a huge family connection with, with there. And my parents had the first ever bar at Glastonbury and then had the cider all over the site until um, other alcohol businesses became involved. And um, God, they must have missed the last two years. So you must have missed it too. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> missed the last two years. Although I don't think with everything, obviously, that's been going on um it's sort of probably saved a few brain cells and in the last year imagine having glastonbury on top of it (laughs) just in terms of kind of growing up and and what the things that you you learned you obviously learned to cope and you know you said that you know you can do all the really practical things do you think that's helped you um in your business or in your life in terms of how you've coped with difficult times Oh, yeah, I mean, I've certainly not coped with a few difficult times that well just because it's just been incredibly tough recessions and divorces and whatever else that's <coughs> thrown your way over the period of time. But as far as, like, rolling my sleeves up and having people that aren't precious or with, without egos and um, being able to, you know, not not uh, just sort of be able to do anything and having being able to work with a team that are able and up for multitasking, it definitely has helped, and I probably you know quite quite tough on the outside not so tough on the inside but um I'm I can kind of you know stand up and I and I keep standing up and I have done that throughout my life and I think that that my upbringing definitely um enabled me to to do that that brings us perfectly onto your third charm my little fox your little fox so your son is called Fox, but I, I mean, I can see around the house there are lots and lots of foxes, lots of fox heads, and um, but you'll tell me, I'm dying to know why you called him Fox, but before, before you do that, I mean, I, ha- I had seen it literally as that, as a three-dimensional yellow gold fox head uh, with cognac diamonds for his, for his fur, black diamond eyes. Um, and nice little whiskers and sharp, sharp fox-like ears. Um, and we'll engrave fox on the back. And I thought we could put his birthday um, engraved on the back of his head. So lovely. But um, why did you call him fox? Uh, well, I didn't know what I was going to call him until literally he came out. And um, I just said, he's called fox. And I don't quite know how that name came about other than thinking just before I had him um, or around that time. I can't remember when it was. But F-O-X was just so simple. And I think local farmers around here were like, why the hell did you call your son Fox? We hate foxes around here. <laughs> and I know foxes always take my chickens and my ducks and they can be a pain in the ass. But I just love the way that it was written and I wanted something that related to the countryside and the rest of his name is so pretentious that I wanted like a, a short name that he would be known for and not just a normal name like I don't want another another normal name there's so many out there and I just thought Fox was really like to the point um, and his full name is uh, Fox London Temple von Bennington Mudskiewicz so he can <laughs> drop the rest of it and just be called Mr Fox um, and it's like that movie Mr Fox have you yeah, seen it? I have but yeah. it starts on a hill like Borough Hill with a fox leaning against the tree takes an apple bites the apple literally on Borough Hill and I li- literally my all the hair went up on my body when I watched it, cause it was, and then you zoom down into the farm and there was a farm with all the the cellar with all the bottles which was like my parents farm and I was like oh my god where's Anderson's been here? been here as well oh, he must have been here <laughs> yeah um and I remember somebody wanted me to meet Wes, Wes Anderson at some point and I, I never got to meet him but I just thought I would just love to know because it's so that film is just the imprint of the connection of the farms around the hill that overlooks it and my parents thing and my son called Fox and yeah, it was just there was something so, there in fact I should track him down and try and find out whether he, he's ever been down here as well because yeah. it was just too too close so um anything That's with right. foxes I'm I'm I, I love because of him I've got fox tattooed on my I wrist got I've got a ring yeah. 
Um, but I love this little charm. It's beautiful. So let's just talk about before you had uh, Fox. Um, so you went into business with your boyfriend at the time and then husband? I went into business... Uh, so uh, tell me, how long ago was that? Uh, 20 years. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll say it quickly. Yeah, I had, a, I had a pseudo name, Lulu, and Lulu was the bitch from accounts who all used to chase everybody up in accounts, so my company seemed at least bigger and I wasn't the one chasing them up. Um, and then um, a friend of mine, Sophie, that used to come and help cut patterns. And then not long after that, my sister Mary joined us. And then my, my husband's like, right, I'm going to quit what I'm doing and we're going to do this properly because we were we lived in a flat in Notting Hill and um, there was just boxes and boxes of knitwear and samples. And we just literally went through a corridor of cardboard boxes all around the house because it was full around the flat. And um, so then we decided we're going to do it together and set it up together. What was he? What, what was he doing at the time? He was doing um, something to do with Asian equity for Nomura. Okay. Um, quit that, and then and then we started. But it was. I mean, the first ten years of my business were very um, full on, working all hours, seven days a week, and quite hedonistic. So I think I probably lost quite a lot of time of that particular time. And the company grew so quickly, and we lived kind of quite a hard. Um, fast pace and if I could do it all over again and know the lessons that I learned all the hard way I would probably do it in a different way and it was before sort of social media it was before a lot of things there weren't that many other designers really in London at the time and I think the environment now is so different that the um, the lessons learned it's kind of interesting looking back because just the, the whole geography landscape. and landscape everything's yeah. changed so much with you know a few recessions and um, everything from remember czars to now COVID to, to Brexit, Brexit, which is just sort of screwing us all. Yeah. But it's just so interesting. And, I mean, and quite amazing that it's managed to, you know, keep going and keep its strength through this whole like turbulent time. Um, just you're talking about lessons. So what what lessons have you have you learned twenty years on? Um, well, now it's obviously restructuring to make it simple and not trying to please everybody. Um, but it's mainly with the changes in um, manufacturing and now warehousing and distribution and learning about Brexit. I mean, there's nothing ever stays still. Um, UK manufacturing we used to use, then it all went offshore because all the UK manufacturing closed down. I'm now turning around 20 years later new places for manufacturing in England, finding amazing artisans down here, um, having to bring our Italian warehouse back. I mean, it all sounds really boring, but it was just like literally you just have to navigate yourself through, um, I guess it's, uh, what do you call it? Like a little bit of his design, but the rest of it is all... Um, practical. Very, very practical. And logistics. I mean, it's like the just logistics of manufacturing different things and then obviously with brexit and covid the wholesale business changes and then you know when the recession hits you know russian clients go first and then that awful one at the beginning of the recession with um you're talking about european and that was 2008 Eight, and then yeah. and then again now with the with the whole of all of covid and things obviously just it's just it just mo it moves you know it's just an assessment every day <laughs> well, you've just got to be so so ready to kind of maneuver haven't you? yeah you have to be agile which i think yeah. we proved that we could be over this last year but um well, yeah what a year yeah what a year <laughs> and then as you mentioned earlier you and your husband separated yeah so god you've had i mean it's been it must have been really tough so you're a single mum yep i'm kind of interested how that's been as coming from a big family with lots of siblings, to have one child is the absolute reverse to how you were brought up, I guess. Yeah, I think I would have had more, but circumstances where the business became a massive big baby that needed loads of attention. Um, and especially when you're having to manage the business side of things and you're a single mum and you're, you know, you move out of your marital, you sell your marital home and then you're literally then working out where you're going to be. And um, Physically. Physically, yeah. and then also just you, as a mother, you just go into survival mode. Like, let's keep the lights on, keep going, because as I've, my other tattoo on my other wrist is um, 
Fox, Fox and my company on the other one. And when I was going through one of those midlife, like, shit, what am I going to do? I was like, right, team, I'm going to go out and we're going to do this. I'm going to go and get my tattoo, the company thing tattooed on my wrist. And then when my CEO at the time says we're going to change the logo, I was like, what? No, you're not. Um, no, you're not. Have you changed but it? I mean, no, the, the of course tattoo. not. No, the CEO <laughs> went. <laughs> the CEO went. <laughs> so um, the, I mean, it, and it was really hard. And, it, and you know, now I have a really good CEO. But my God, it was just a challenge, like losing losing the the relationship, which ended up not working to, and then being in, in England, with um, you know the, the husband, ex-husband who's living the other side of the planet, um, and it was just—it's really, really hard. But I think as a woman, you just you make it work somehow, and it's and you juggle and you juggle, and somehow I don't know whether it's how I grew up, but I would always spend hours and hours locked away making things. Somehow I could always just switch into work, and just no matter how pieces I was, I could still do that. And was that and it was an of, escape? Yes. Um, and maybe that's uh, a good thing, or maybe that's... I mean, it has to be a good thing, because it kind of makes you, 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 you keep going. And also, it's good for Fox to see <laughs> the true work, work ethic and how things have to be, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, uh, I said to him, right, Fox, if you're going to be into fashion, you're going to have to sit down, let's watch this, this um, Halston, uh, Halston film. Yeah. And I sat him down, and it was like within two, two seconds, all of that bang into the most graphic sex scene with you, McGregor, and very graphic. Very graphic. And yeah. I was just, I am so sorry, Fox. He goes, Mum, can I please go next door and play computer games? I'm, like, I'm so sorry. I was devastated. He was like, if this is what fashion is. Um, Had anyway. he thought he wanted to be in fashion first? No, not really. He said no, but now he writes these little things where he he's designing all this sort of. Uh, puffer jackets and hoodies which I'm trying to encourage and uh, then he writes I think mummy you should do things that are cheaper and I think you should focus on this and I think you should do this and, I, and all these little ideas so he's obviously sort of thinking about it and he writes me lists on my whiteboards upstairs it's very sweet Absolutely yeah um, <laughs> but how do you you know I know everybody wants to know how you combine being a mummy and a very full-time many seasons um, fashion business uh, I've had an amazing woman called Consuelo live with me since I was uh, will work with me since Foxy was kind of a year old um, and I met her in Ibiza when I was after two it was, he, Foxy was two weeks old and we went to um, Paris Fashion Week and I got I got sick with the flu ended up in Ibiza with a friend's house saying I just need just to sort of switch off for a, f- a few weeks because I I literally went back to work two days after he was born and then we just had a fashion show five days before that so you can imagine how knackered I was and after having him I was round I was out in Hyde Park two hours after he was born um pushing the pram around uh so bits to psycho uh anyway I met, this, I met this woman there and she um we've always worked together and she's helped me through all everything are you bringing him up in the same way that you were brought up or have you got a different approach i think i'm a lot more tactile and softer like we were farm kids and i was often always in trouble and um i was naughty but i was often more in trouble than probably I should have been um, and <laughs> we were like free and I mean difference is that obviously he is gaming he's got a phone he's whatever we were always outside and, and farmy I have him down here and I'm trying to get him to do sort of jobs outside as blackmail for gadgets whether it's mowing or something and uh, sort of works but not 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 in a convincing manner uh, uh, but very, I'm very, very tactile and very. Um, we've just, yeah, he's just wonderful. So the next charm, I, I was kind of, I'm fascinated by this charm. Um, so it's going to be absolutely, you know, perfect replica, miniature replica of a pistol. I think it'll have um, little diamond handle. Um, and the barrel will definitely spin. And I think it should have one little diamond in it, like Russian roulette. Um, And I thought it would be nice to have A written on the other side of the handle. But um, talk me through the gun. Uh, The gun was the pistol, and I don't... I mean, I I don't shoot, and I don't... And obviously guns are a, a bad topic, but it's like a 
a protector charm, I guess. Um, I've always had a, a gold charm that was a gun that hung around my neck. And, um, Who gave you that, or did you? My sister it? actually made it for me. She cast it out of a little thing and made it for me. But it was just a gold uh, gun. It was about two inches long, um, and it was just that sort of thing of strength. Maybe it's that sort of tomboy countryside thing. It's not meant to kind of go and cause mass damage, but <laughs> but it's it's very pretty to look at. And if you need to protect yourself, you could shoot someone. Yeah, I guess <laughs> with I diamonds. Guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wonder whether it, you, you know it's a feeling of of confidence and just going back to the beginning when you when you first started. Did you have did you have a vision for it, or did you just design for the season and wait and see what happened? Um, I kind of designed what I wanted to make, um, and when I started, I didn't really understand the kind of whole seasons and cycles and how that whole uh, you put yourself onto a, a world stage when you do a catwalk and didn't really understand about reviews nothing I just went in kind of blind literally because I liked making things and I liked the way clothes made you feel um, and obviously the company and the, the brand grew very very quickly and when we had the stores in New York and and LA pre-recession and they were your own stores yeah yeah and um and then you kind of, you grow and you make and you grow and you make and all of a sudden you kind of become in a, a hamster wheel quite quickly in the industry where you're producing too much, there are too many seasons. Um, it's a very critical, judgmental industry. And luckily we've always had amazing clients, we've always had um, press support, but it, it has been um, really gruelling at times because you're trying to please, you know, wholesale accounts and then all of a sudden you feel like you're designing for them and then some wholesale accounts often will ask for things in different colours or different things and then the Middle East will want different than the Asian market or different to the American market and everybody's so different and now it's like I'm going to please do what I want to do and I'm going to focus on that and I'm going to make more locally um, because I don't want to be in that rat race anymore. No, I get that totally but does that mean um, that your business now will change from from being wholesale to to something more direct? Yeah, definitely more direct to consumers. So the price points will be better. We'll have two seasons a year. We will do flash products every month. So if I feel like making kind of a rainbow jumper or if I feel like making a, a beautiful quilted military-grade outerwear coat, then doesn't matter whether it's in seasons it will be quicker to produce like i just did these beautiful love potion drinks with three hip flasks in them you're going to tell um, me about that in a bit yeah (laughs) and uh and that's really nice i can make it with a local supplier but it just means that i don't have to wait a whole year and means that it gives me more flexibility to be able to say right i'm going to go and find that and i'm going to make that you know i'm going to make a pair of pink droppers i'm going to make whatever and that it lasts makes me feel like i get my creativity back and whether it's the carpets that i'm doing or the scent that i'm working on i need to be able to have that freedom otherwise the industry i don't want to be designing to a kind of a commercial plan that's very exciting but just did you when did you make the decision to move everything and come to Somerset? Because pre-pandemic? Pre-pandemic, I was looking. And then in the pandemic, I was outside the local chemist. And I'd done loads of sort of weird um, thinking, right, okay, what's going to happen? Pandemic, shit, I'm going to lose my name, going to lose my company, going to lose my house. Right, got to survive, got to do something quick, got to be agile. Uh, And I did loads of, um, what do you call it, when you, you ask, you do loads of sort of, projecting bringing things in asking channeling and I was talking to friends of mine like Charlotte Tilbury and various other people about and they're always kind of into all the the healers and channelists and whatever and I was like right okay I'm going to need all the help I can get and talk to her about she approached me so just lots of quiet times out in the garden in the the field under the trees thinking right okay I've got to do something what is it I've got to know what I'm going to do and I've got to go for it and then I was outside local chemist and I was waiting to get my son some pink hair dye Looked over the road and there was an empty building, and uh, and I sort of saw the, the local name, phoned up the company, and said, "Is it for rent or for sale?" And they said, "Yeah." And so the property person phoned me back and said, "Did you know it used to be a clothing factory?" And I was like, "No." Did you know it's? I don't. I said, "I don't know whether it's big enough." And he goes, "Well, it's twenty-two thousand square foot." Oh my! And God. I said, "Well, I can only see the front of the building, <laughs> not the back." 
and um, and we were looking for 11,000 square foot to kind of move everything to. And then I asked them questions about it, and then it had been derelict for 15 years. Asked them the price, and it was the same price as one year's rent in the London office. <laughs> okay. so, so I was like, off. "Can I see it tomorrow morning?" <laughs> so we went to see it, and um, by within 24 hours, we put an offer in, and within two weeks, I had the keys. And me and my partner basically had a team of five Colombians move into the basement here. And then we just worked literally for five months, night and day, turning it around and somehow managed to do it. God, that's the farm girl. She came out. I was like literally covered in plaster and paint and just dirt yeah, for five what, months. How cathartic as well. Yeah, what do you do? Do you hang yeah. around at home and wait or do you try and make something happen? So you'll see down the road all the before and after pictures and you won't believe what it was like when we got it. Am I right in thinking it's called Phoenix Studios? Yeah, we called it Phoenix Studios because that's like obviously Phoenix rising. From, from the ashes. Um, I wondered if that was what it was. Or if yeah. I like, you know, rather I'd love the kind of... I should have called it... We, well, we should have called it Fox Studios because Phoenix Studios, we actually moved out of the Phoenix Brewery in London, which was a very expensive place. And then... So I was like, okay, we need to call it something different. But my partner, maybe rightly, said Phoenix is right because it's the rising. rising. So, yeah. So... That brings us perfectly onto your next charm, which is a looking glass. Um, I, lo- I mean, I, I love the idea of this looking glass. So I, I designed it as a kind of Beautiful. quite a Victorian kind of feeling looking glass. Yellow gold, quite kind of embellished and quite uh, decorative around the actual what will be the mirror, um, little diamonds um, and just a highly polished white gold um, mirror. I think it should open. I think it should be a locket. Um, but tell me why you've chosen a, a looking glass. Uh, through the looking glass. <laughs> yes. And my, even my, my Instagram social handle is behind the looking glass. Yes. Oh, many times I've just thought maybe all of our campaigns should be shot through through the looking glass, just, just, just something about it. But I think now because this this means a lot to me just because it is it's like going back and it's almost like coming back home coming back to Somerset and really kind of looking at what we're doing um keeping everything local keeping everything kind of within that sort of glass that story and within that frame yeah and uh so I think that and obviously I love mirrors because there's just lots of mirrors around the house as far as the reflection and the looking through and um, looking behind and I just think that it's just a, a very symbolic charm to not just my name but what we're doing at the moment. No, no, it's a, it, I mean, it's so it's something so romantic about it. Have you always thought of yourself as kind of Alice in Wonderland in this gorgeous place that you were brought up? Um, no, but maybe it's just I didn't for a while. But then I kind of think I, after travelling everywhere and, and always coming back to Somerset and obviously what Somerset stands for, there is definitely a fantasy fairy tale element to Somerset. And, and when you talk about Burrow Hill, that's like oh my god. And Burrow Hill, and then my second coffee table book was called Myths and Legends, and that was all about storytelling. And I think designing is not just about kind of so many fashion brands that are kind of cut and paste and cut and sew and uh, kind of quite generic or you can story tell with themes and stories and different elements from different places and combining them and uh, living life through stories so I think in some way that Alice in Wonderland fairy tale is just how you kind of keep going to escape through a story when you're designing and you go into another world and you're researching other things and all of it tells a story and um, I want to tell more of the story about the people that help us and make things and document more about the factories around here and um, and I do think yeah there's sort of Alice in Wonderland element um, yeah there's there's lots of things that I guess nice growing up here makes you feel like you know I just don't want to fall down that rabbit hole anymore. And to just come out, come out and be at that, you know, that amazing table with lots of different interesting people and lots of different stories and the Mad Hatters and be surrounded by kind of mad eccentric people, um, which outside often is and got the whole array of animals. So sometimes, yes, it feels quite magical. Wonderful. (laughs) Oh, God. 
Um, it's interesting though when you're when you're designing because a bit like you were talking about the kind of storytelling in in clothes because uh, I think jewelry is all about that. Hence your life in Seven Charms. It's so Lovely, it's yeah. so much about that. But when you're designing clothes, what what do you what do you think about? What's the most important thing in terms of the the process? Um, the spirit. So the process is. It's not just sort of, as I say, cut and sew. It's about a female form and how to flatter that um, and not wearing things that sort of scream trend and they they need to be really comfortable and wearable. So um, it's the way that we cut um, that's very sort of effortless, not over complex. uh, And then how that pattern or colour will tell a story but also enhance the body so a lot of the placement prints or the how the embroideries are done and the process behind it so it's not just printing a fabric cutting it up and sewing it it's getting all the panels and then engineering um the pattern onto the body um and each dress needs to sort of tell a story as far as kind of how it's made and the story behind what went into the print or um it's just and how it makes you feel, presumably. I mean, and also you know, how it makes you feel. It needs to make you feel, you know, suit needs to make you feel, you know, cut in a certain way. And our velvet suits definitely make you feel, all the suits actually. Um, and then, then the dresses, the diff- you know, the different dresses for different occasions. And, um, you know, our, our mirable dresses obviously make you feel like a explosive princess, princess mirable mm-hmm. type person. Um and yeah it's just the way that makes you feel so do you design do you design for yourself when you're when you're designing is who 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 is the person who's the woman she is the inspiration for the theme she for example if it's all sort of positano who who are you in positano who where are you going in positano what are the elements that you have that create the print what do you need when you're like you know getting up and going through day into the evening in this sort of fantasy world but is it um, you in positano or uh, is it me in my fantasy yeah. head okay <laughs> oh and my muses yeah. yes that's the girl that i create and get lost in um clearly it's not me because i'm more than likely going to be found in my office <laughs> but if i was and i was living that fairy tale of that then that's the, the that's, that's how i do the collections yeah because that's such a thing about clothes isn't it it just gives you if you've got the right clothes on it's just all about the confidence it mm-hmm. gives you yeah yeah absolutely when you look like shit in the morning you feel like shit <laughs> and the clothes what we do should be easy enough that you put them on and you don't really need everything else to go with it and you don't need to kind of work out what sort of everything you, i mean i just imagine that without spent evening dresses you can just step them up and like run through the cornfield yeah. <laughs> and there's that effortless which i yeah. really like when I mean, you that's put them like, on and they transform yeah. you yeah i mean that's like jewelry uh, for me jewelry should be you put it on and you're not worrying about how quickly i can take these earrings off you've got to be just yeah. effortless and you know comfy um, comfy yeah exactly um Okay, so charm number six, I can absolutely, sitting here, I completely see why you've chosen this. It's a disco ball. Yes. Um, Well, that's, I mean, we all know what a disco ball looks like, but this is going to be a perfect miniature disco ball uh, locket. I think it's got to open and it's got to have some wonderful message inside. So diamond encrusted um, disco ball with all the facets and all the light that well, diamonds do so beautifully that uh, I think probably disco ball is what, trying to emulate that. <laughs> so, yeah, white gold and just gorgeous. And when you, when you hold it up to the light, that would be just divine. But um, I have seen everything here from pizza oven disco balls to, <laughs> to many, many others. Just tell me about the disco ball. Why? Um, I don't know where it really started, but my nickname was always Magpie, um, partly because I was collecting things and had a, you know, sort of sparkly things or sequin things or jewellery bits or or charms or um, disco balls. But disco balls, obviously, in nightclubs can sort of be come across as a bit naff, but not when you hang them in trees and the dappled light in the morning. So I've got two huge ones from an old hotel outside my front door and that light hits that in the morning and comes all through the house and then I have um I mean they're all over the place but then my bath is also decorated in disco ball tiles so like in the morning 
in one window it lights up and then by four o'clock when the sun comes through the other window it lights up and that's the perfect time to have a, a bath because the whole room has got that just moving dappled light that somehow I, I find I love yeah um, Do you so often have really, a bath at four o'clock in the afternoon? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> weekend if I'm lucky. Yeah. Um, but uh, it is really just that dappled moving light. Um, I'm a thing about, I have a thing about sort of the right lighting and the right colour of lighting and whether that's you know reflecting in, in mirrors or soft lighting or candle lighting. And I think my friend, I had a Dutch friend who just said that the Dutch have so many other words for lighting and there is no word in English that can explain what candlelight is and um, I just don't think many people just focus on that lighting and the ambience and that the way that that makes you feel too yeah, um, and there's something that the disco ball does I love it well it's so wonderful seeing it because actually most people think of disco ball and nighttime, but you're so right because the sun and that light is just absolutely gorgeous but I mean you are well known for giving parties so I was my assumption was is it about that um, yeah, they look really good with lasers, obviously, on them. So yeah. we have big ones in the trees outside and then light them up with lasers. So they're good, as long as they're lit up with lasers. Absolutely. <laughs> but do you uh, love giving parties? Did your parents give lots of parties? Uh, yeah, obviously we were at the festivals and they had lots of fancy dress parties and um, always had fun. And then from the age of 18, I was always throwing big summer parties that kind of grew and grew and grew. And obviously I haven't had one for a few years. But it's just really nice to get um, local people together, family together, kids, everybody having new kids. It's just loads of kids at them now. Um, people coming in from London or f- flying in to see everybody from different parts of the world. So you just get a real mixture of local creatives, families, and sort of you know more glamorous types that might fly in but just absolutely love the, the rootsiness of it all. And everybody just, just literally just totally just there's no airs and graces and everybody just has the most fabulous of wild time and there's always lots of stories to be told and i think everybody just leaves whatever anything at the gate and then and they in they come and it's just it, they're always really magical and i and am i right in thinking that you you orchestrated a kind of beautiful film of for, for net porter i think it? yeah i did a film white magic it was called and we filmed um a few girls here through the day in the build-up and then part of the party and it was all a shoppable film that we did through with um, uh, a click and buy on the on the screen as the um, as you were playing it. So it was a, a new idea. bit of um, technology and that was really fun to do. Um, and what's been your favourite um, theme for your party, for a party? Oh, um, I don't know, there's been sort of sequins to sunrise, there's been leather lace, debauchery and grace, that was a funny one. They're, they're, all, they're, all, they're all good, but I always choose one that's sort of escapist rather than when people can't kind of turn it on to a, I've gone to a joke shop and dressed up. It still needs to be very sort of beautiful glamorous. And, and glamorous with no sort of, uh, yeah, twists, just still escapist and beautiful, yeah. But the white one, white magic, was very, very beautiful. Partly the the, guy, the sky was so gold for so long, and then uh, at night time we had so many discovers lit up that it was just incredibly dappled. It was really beautiful. So, what do you think is the best, best, best party wear? Party clothes, party. Uh, I think it's just a dress that you can wear and zip up, and you can have bare feet and like not think about anything else. Um, and just a dress that you feel comfortable enough in bare feet to jump around and swing around all night. Mm. Well, I've, I've seen a couple of those hanging up in <laughs> next door. Um, the feeling of looseness. You should basically feel like you're naked, but you're definitely not naked. You're wearing something just fabulous, and those ones that you've... I've got two, in, haven't I, in my dining room oh, that gosh, you just, just light up and just get really, really comfortable and literally just feel like you're not wearing anything. Alice, your final charm, um, the love potion. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, I mean, y- y- you're going to tell us about, about this particular design, but um, I, I looked it up and, and I just think it's a perfect little bottle with love written on the on the label. And a kind of slightly knock back Union Jack. Um, 
I think it's going to be too small to get the whole Union Jack situation. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's but right. I think we can we could do it, um, and we'll make it in kind of pink sapphires or possibly possibly rubies, um, all all pavé set um, in a white gold bottle because it to look like it's see through the bottle, um, and love engraved on the on the on the label. But why uh, why love potion? Uh, love potion. Um, I remember when we were having parties, <laughs> this guy who always used to make us all tonics to drink, and uh, that was always like horny goat weed and guana and various other things in it <laughs> that um, supposed to give you a feeling of euphoria. And I never convinced whether they worked or not, but we all drank them. Um, and um, it was it was combining three things from my parents' farm into a drink that was in this beautiful bottle. Then I could serve my brides because love um could serve people having having their fittings and it's mixing um amarillo cherries an eau de vie and an aperitif all together in this beautiful pink liquid um and then the bottle i wanted because obviously british um that sort of storytelling of that you know proper british gorgeous romantic wedding and love potion combined so the idea is that brides can have these little love bottles but they're not full of honey honey goat weed from the local hippie from down the road (laughs) they're made by us in a beautiful way yeah exactly maybe they should be yeah um so this is like a little an elegant twist on that and uh they're going to be sold exclusively from our bar yeah absolutely did i see lots and lots of bottles ready to yeah i've been labeling them and bottling them on my dining table okay in your spare time the first lot the second lot yeah my spare time (laughs) my son doesn't do it uh, but the second lot we will get professionally done at the farm. But the first lot, I mean, I have I've, I've printed about five thousand labels, so the next lot will be done professionally. So, well, can people buy it as well as um, come yeah. come and drink at the bar? It's going to be live on our website for the new space. Oh, fantastic! But um, I mean, I guess love love's been a big part, I guess, of your life. Love of here, family. So is it all wrapped up with all of that too? Yeah, complicated creative. love lives, but love, <laughs> love of making, love of um, freedom of spirit, love of family, love of um, sort of fantas- the fantasy. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's what you have to spin, isn't it, to kind of keep everything going. Otherwise, life can be dull or boring. And uh, I think I'm somehow escapist, probably living in the wrong era. Yeah, but um, if there was one, I just want to know if there's one piece that you've designed that, what's the one you love the most? Most proud? Mm. That's too hard. I mean, there's different. I mean, I have a honeycomb jumper that I made when I was at college, and I made it at St Martin's on the knitting machine, and then over the years, I've produced thousands of those. I've just bought that one back. made with scottish wool um beautiful so i was really proud of that because i made that at college and it was like it was always selling and now we bought it back and it's just a really big seller and then there are other things like i love that disco ball dress just because it's ridiculous and just amazing so i made that for one of my summer parties for me and then had people ask for it so then i put it in the bridal collection and it's just so amazing seeing people actually get married in it and having the confidence not just to think typical bride or they're coming to buy something fabulous like that um and then that's the what's so important about your bridal isn't it is it it's yeah. it's it's not just for that particular day it's it's you designed to be yeah and like I mean, the dresses like that you can hang them on the wall and they'll light up a room too <laughs> Um, and then the other one's a dream catcher dress where it was like based on dream catchers are traveling in mexico and it was all uh the dream catchers and like circular skirt and it's all stitched incredible stitching and uh embroidery but it's like you are in wearing incredibly ornate dream catcher and there's one of them in my archive oh, down will you show me that because i've got yeah. a whole dream catcher collection jewelry collection which i did years ago which is very much signature for me so it'd be kind of interesting yeah and she's been it's been so lovely to chat to you because we're going to do this collaboration together and um so kind of from a work perspective that's one thing but it's so lovely to get to know you a bit and yeah understand, um, you know where the madness comes where from. it all comes <laughs> from exactly <laughs> But, um, Alice, as you know, I, I'd like to make you one of these charms. So when Ooh. you're, uh, maybe when Fox 
has children, um, and he were to find your life in Seven Charms, well, well, first of all, what would you like your legacy to be? What would they, you know, what would they think of Granny or Granny? God, God forbid, you can't think of Granny. But, um, but it will tell your. Well, I'm story. planning on becoming a lot more eccentric, wacky, out there, opinionated, and um, <laughs> like I just keep saying, I'm going to become really eccentric and just do what I want to do, do when it, do it when I want to do it. So crazy, crazy Alice, but with the zest for life, I guess, is the, I think how they already think of me is, is a bit batty, um, which I don't mind. Um, I think they're all really worried that they're just going to be kind of left loads of dresses. There's only one girl in the, all the, the, all, grand, all the, cousins. All the grandchildren cousins so far. Um <laughs> But my legacy, I guess it's just a a lover of life and creativity and hopefully now building this new chapter where it's kind of helping to revive and create something down here that is a a heritage brand, really using local suppliers and this amazing place that we've built down the road, which hopefully will be here for a long time after me, making amazing things. I think if they look at your charms, looking glass, disco ball, I think that all of those things they will think. They're definitely, they're bang on charms, so well done. They're really beautiful, oh. very, very nice. And I, want, I actually want them all. <laughs> but which, you can only have one. <laughs> oh, right, Sorry, okay. you can only have one. Oh. <laughs> um, um, so which one? I mean, the disco ball, obviously. I but I think. going to say that. <laughs> but, uh, but I love the, the apple and I love the hill. I don't know. You can change your mind. Are you going to tell me? It's going to have to be the fox, isn't it, really? The fox. It's going to have to be the fox. Although I like them all. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, they're, they're so, they're so, so beautiful. Thank you so much for listening to My Life in Seven Charms with me, Anushka Dukas. Please do like, review and subscribe to hear our latest episodes. Thank you to Fairly Media for our audio production.